0: Hey guys, thanks for sticking around. Um, still waiting for Jim Beheim. Uh, we've got some UNC players in the hallway, but I figure let's not ab- abandon what, what matters the most here, and that is what Jim Beheim thinks of this game because there is a lot, yeah. a lot we have to break down um, between the referees, which I know a lot of you guys are hot about, to Joe Girard kind of disappearing in the second half, Jesse Edwards and Armando Baycott going at it down low. I mean, Pretty easy to tell who got the better end that one. So we will chat about all those things very shortly. First, we'll have the head men's press conference. He should be coming soon. My name's Ian Unsworth. I'm one of the staffers on theorangefizz.com. Uh, thank you for tuning in right now, and you can always check out our stuff at OrangeFizz on Twitter and the, uh, the website, theorangefizz.com. We'll have this press conference uploaded along with all the post game reaction, an article to accompany it, and all the Syracuse recruiting news you need. All right. Coach Beheim is here now.
1: I thought he played really well. Uh, defense got better as the game went along. Um, I thought the first charge on Jude, I thought he clearly got by. And I thought it was a bad call. But, uh, you know, that happens. We, we're playing zone. we got got three, three throws. It's not a good number versus 23. We battled hard. We did everything we could to get back in. We gave ourselves a great chance to win the game. We didn't get the rebound in this foul shot. That's a bad look. And, uh, but you know, we did everything we could tonight to, to win this game. Got away right at the last second. Questions? What about the second you get that <laughs> he hit him with his elbow. I, I, I haven't seen thoughts on that free throw the okay. It's unusual. How do you feel about BD, Chris? I thought Chris really made some tough shots tonight. I thought he was a little better, better on defense. Benny, you know, he's 20 minutes and he's getting two rebounds. He's got to find a way to be more productive. How was the preparation for this game
0: different after the test against Virginia? How did Virginia and Miami playing them first before this help out for (coughs) this I don't know. I don't even know what you're asking. Just playing against the top ACC team in
1: North Carolina and having played Virginia and Miami before, did that help at all? I mean, every game helps. Every game in play helps. Coach, obviously a lot of people were excited about Lee kind of Jesse. How did you view that match? do you think Jesse did what he needed to do? I think he played well. You know, he he has trouble moving against a stronger guy offensively. Uh, that's where he has trouble. We did a good job. Did a good job on the boards, which is unusual. They're the best rebounding team. One of the best rebounding teams in the league. So it's, dis- it's disappointing. I mean, more than you know, five or six turnovers we usually don't make, but that, that's how you lose close games. So what was, Nancy to do? How was- middle's open. We're we're cheating a little bit. After they made their first four threes, we wanted to keep that from going that way. And I think the rest of the game they were two for whatever. So, you're going to give up something. He's a good player. He's good enough in the post area. We did enough defensively. Turnovers, two charges, really in a close game, you can't you of at halftime, you have to do better inside in the second half. How do you think your team did? <coughs> halftime. Um, again, I thought we had opportunities. We got back in and we got the lead. We up two Judah to hit a foul line. Jump shot. Really good shot. was in and out. <coughs> you said the last couple of times in
0: crunch times the plays so kind of had to arm up for Joe, but nothing like getting
1: it to him. Was it that way this way with Judah taking it? Or, or... Well, we got it to Joe to put us ahead. At the end of the game. Well, that was, there was nothing there for them. They pressed. <coughs> Judah came got the ball and he had stuff. no choice. Judah, so, Judah is such an impressive player. He likes to take the ball. Mm-hmm. Is there a line he needs to... Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll learn. He'll learn. Takes time. I don't think the first one.
0: Jesse has four fouls. Do you know have a philosophy of when to put him back in the game towards the end or is it more of a field goal? It just depends. Just the feel. How did UNC slow down Joe in the second half after he really got it going in the first?
1: Leaky Black's a really good defender. He did a good job on him. You know, they helped him. But he's a really good defensive player. And uh, I don't know what Joe had in the time Ten? Twelve. Didn't get as many looks. He had a good second half. He just took what was there. He had a couple of turnovers, but he played well. Do you think the press helped you guys get back
0: into it? Yeah, really. It's the second game you lost by four points in the span of eight days. Why well, can't you yeah. see close out? Uh, in the games. We're good. All right, so we got an angry storm off the pulpit from Jim Behan after he was asked the question, why can't your team close out close games? Uh, that's an interesting one, and not one I'd necessarily say answer tonight because of just the way that game ended and what happened down the stretch. All right, guys, so we will now get into our... Instant reactions from Syracuse and UNC. Thank you for sticking around. My name is Ian Elkwood.
1: Follow us at Syracuse recruiting news,
0: football, basketball, some lacrosse as well, you name it. We've got it going because this right now is the place to be. Thank you all for joining us. So if you want to chat about anything, in guarded regarding this game, anything that went down in the final four minutes, Jesse's performance, about Joe kind of falling apart in the second half, just let me know, request to speak, and I will get you up here and you can get involved. But let's start at where this game wrapped up. It, the, the spot where it really hurts, the spot where it really hurts is those the last four minutes. All right, you've got two charges on you. First, as you've heard Fahim say multiple times, he did not feel was a charge. And I think everybody in the dome would agree with that statement. Yes, there are some tough ones, right? We all know how that goes. The rest of miss one or two. But that first one stuff went on. to left and the defender does not arrive in time. All right. Well, we got the makeup call on the other end. Right, Jesse goes down a little easy, Baycott gets the charge, that a court foul. And you just kind of have to live with those things in these games, right? Like, let's not let's not act like UNC was living on was living in favor of the referees for the entire game. Right. The last four minutes, we have reason to have an issue. But the first 36, I think it was pretty even, all things considered. So that being said, then we get down to the final four minutes and things just fall again. Right? The charge. Yes, it happened, whatever, and take it and move on. But after that, it, it just, again and again, with a question of, oh, why doesn't Syracuse have a quad one win? Why doesn't Syracuse close out games? It never feels like this team is organized enough to hold it together it never feels like this team is organized enough together enough to finally put it through a full 40 minutes and finish the game why is that you guys have any thoughts if you if you do request to speak drop a comment below i'll interact with whatever you whatever opinion you guys have but i have a couple theories myself well first of all right all right troy Appreciate it. Let's get you in here. We can we can discuss this. So my, my first theory, Troy, before I let you hop in, I just want to lay these out on the table and see what you guys think. First theory, right? It's Joe's first year of being the Duke. So he is not fully comfortable taking the last shot. All right. That's kind of debunked today. He hit that massive three. With about 50 seconds to go, Dome goes crazy, Syracuse is on top, and you think, all right, they've got this thing locked and loaded. This should be it. And then, and then as we all saw, it, it goes to shreds. Second thing, you've got at least three freshmen on the court at once. Three freshmen who are still getting used to things, still don't really understand how to perform in the biggest moments. And I think that is where we've come to this conclusion over and over. Right? End of the Miami game. What happens? Judah makes a reckless take. Here, reckless take. And at the end of the day, those are the plays that decide the game. There are are a lot of coaches – and players who will say it comes down to a, you know, it's a full 40 minute thing. It's not, you know, it, well, no, this game was back and forth, right? Both of these teams were pretty much their equals for 39 minutes. And then you get one quick mistake from a freshman who's almost too aggressive in a sense. Jim Behind didn't think that, but I mean, you saw it on TV or if you were there in the dome, you just saw that. Maybe it's a bit too over aggressive. And that's it. All right, Troy, What what is your opinion on why Syracuse can't close games? Let me hear it.
2: I think that um, you really have to um, take the ball away from Judah once in a while. And, like, I think, actually, that um, it's good that Judah gets the ball because, like, I think he has the ability to facilitate. We've seen it before. But um, it's a, at the end of the game, I think he's. it's an issue that's came up with a lot of people and in my circle – he tries to play hero ball and that's the frustrating part. And I really want to get the ball in his hands. I think he has, he's the best playmaker on the team. And I just don't think anybody else on the floor, Gerard Williams Brown at the moment, like, I don't think that's the person you want to take the last shot. Maybe, maybe Gerard, but like, it's obvious that they don't really have any faith in him. And I don't really have any faith in Gerard either. So, it's very, it's really hard when you just don't have, I think, a go-to guy yet. We haven't had anybody make that big of a shot this late into a game like this. And Judah's just – he just hasn't – I really like Judah. But it's obvious that there's just something that, like, is just escapes from his mind. And he just tries to go for it. And he was hitting all the tough shots today. But at the end, it was just – he had to play more basketball, and that didn't happen. It's, really, it's just a really frustrating process overall. That's my thought. I, I
0: agree with, with the, the mind going blank, Troy. I think that's a really good point. I'm Ian Unsworth, by the way. I was running the Fizz Twitter account for tonight. Thank you all for joining up in this space. Hearing what I have to say, if you want to chime in, just request to speak or reply below with your thoughts. Uh, you can follow us for all the content you need about Syracuse basketball, football, recruiting. We'll have some lacrosse stuff coming this spring. Theorangefizz.com, at orangefizz on Twitter. Back to Judamance and sort of the the late game inability to hit that final shot. Plays at major high schools, right? Gonzaga in D.C., Oak Hill. You may not always be that number one guy. I mean, Oak Hill had Chris Livingston, who was putting up 25 points a game last year. That guy's Kentucky. So you may not always be the number one guy. This situation may be new for him. But for anyone who played a sport, whether it be middle school, high school, you know, when you're playing Madden or 2K with your friends, you're sitting on the couch, you know that feeling, right? You know that feeling of the late that final minute of 2K, that late game when your your hands get a little sweaty and maybe you start nudging your buddy a little bit too much. Right? But you feel that you feel that competitiveness, but you also feel a little bit of pressure. And I think for Judah Mintz, that pressure might make his mind go blank. And his first instincts to get to the rack, you have to love that. You have to love that because it's something nobody else on this team does. And it's something that really kept Syracuse in this game. When Joe went quiet in the second half, what worked for Syracuse? Chris Bell making some ridiculous shots. Ridiculous shots, like with hands in his face, fading away, catch and shoot. We got Cam Isair in here as I speak, one of my another another staff member with us on the Fizz. So this should be great. Cam called the game on W A E R, uh, our flagship Syracuse student station, and he did a fantastic job. But as Cam gets in here, we'll continue on the on the vein of Chris Bell. He made some fantastic shots, and Judah got to the rack and then hit those 15 foot pull-ups. You know, the couple of really tough layups while Joe in the second half was marked up by Leaky Black and not getting any shots. Cam, we're discussing the merits of Judah Mintz taking those final, the final shot. Uh, Feel free to add your thoughts in a sec, but my, my thing is that you probably aren't in this game at the end without Judah and Chris Bell. But. If Joe Girard really is the leader of this team, at a certain point, you got to give him the ball. And it doesn't matter if there are 10 seconds left. You got to give that man the ball and let him make a shot because he made one with 50 seconds left that was just as big. Cam, what say you? What do you think about Judamance? Would a jump stop have changed this whole entire game? There's the potential. Cam, let's see if he... See if he's got us here. All right, maybe not. But if there's no cam, I'll keep rolling here. And you guys can feel free to chime in. Uh, yes, a jump stop probably does change this game. Uh, that's it's a sad reality. But hey. everybody who played in middle school heard the old jump stop adage. And that probably makes a difference. Okay, moving on. 72-68, the final. Uh Jim Beheim post-game, was very complimentary of Judah and Chris. Uh, and surprisingly, in my opinion, he was pretty complimentary of Jesse Edwards, who had eight and seven and fouled out. Kind of I, I just surprising, in my opinion. Because what did Jesse really do? today that like wowed you or jumped off the jumped off the screen jumped off the page he did his job but like after four years of ACC basketball you kind of expect Jesse Edwards to at least win a couple times these matchups I'm not asking Jesse to make I'm not asking him to have 20 and 10 I'm not asking him to hold Baycott to four points because obviously those things aren't happening, but like, I think we, I think Jim Beheim gave Jesse Edwards a lot of credit that, yeah, I don't think he deserved. All right. We got Spencer Pearson here and potentially cam, if we can get him going. All right, guys, we are discussing now the Armando Baycott, Jesse Edwards matchup. Um, uh, Jim Bayheim was very complimentary of Jesse post game. If either of you guys, I want to hear what both of you guys think. Who won between Baycott and Edwards? And does Jesse deserve the credit that Jim Bayheim is getting that he played well and that he did enough inside? Hey,
3: can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I got you, Cam. What are you doing?
3: Amazing. Do you yeah, I mean,. Baycott won the battle I understand that Jesse had a pretty good game after really struggling in those first couple minutes his offensive game is not there or it wasn't as it was and that he was bargaining in those first couple of weeks where you thought okay Jesse Edwards is the next coming of a Mark Williams and Armando Baycott when he's outsized it's embarrassing to watch him go one on one. One thing that I noticed during the game is when Armando Baycott was driving on Jesse Edwards, Edwards had to cross his arms on his chest so that when Baycott bumped into him and gave him a little bit of an elbow and hip check, he wouldn't fall over. First off, that says he has the size advantage, but no one was tricked there because Armando Baycott, I think he's listed as 235. I'd be shocked if he was a couple pounds under 260. Last He's year he was played at 250, Cam, just for context. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, the reason Baycott won the battle is not just because he outsized Edwards and took smarter shots. Because when Baycott wasn't getting his shots, which was very rare, Baycott was very smart and he'd find Pete Nance. Now Armando is playing at the high post. And you're telling me one of the best big men in the ACC in the country is now a premier passer when Jesse Edwards wasn't getting his shots. He'd go one-on-one with a guy four, five, six inches smaller than him, and he'd go back to the basket, try to spin around, do a little dipsy-do. The one time that happened, he – I mean, thank God Malik Brown was right there to tip it back up on a double team. Yeah, that But Leaky just,
0: Black post-up was embarrassing.
3: Awful. I, I mean, embarrassing. You're, you're telling me a guy earlier in the year that he'd take a seven-footer
0: one-on-one
3: with, with no expectations around him. Now that there are expectations on his shoulders to play better, all I saw out of Jesse Edwards is if his offensive game isn't there and if he's guarding a guy that is outsizing him and then that opposing player outsmarts Jesse Edwards by then playing at the high post and utilizing the guys around him, Jesse Edwards is one dimensional. He's back to the basket and he'll block shots. That's all he is. He's a 6'11 body inside. And that's it. Armando Baycott won the battle because he outsmarted Jesse
0: Edwards. Damn, yeah, that's a lot, but that's a lot of good points. Spencer, you
4: there? Yeah, can you guys hear me?
0: Yeah, we got you. What do you think about this Armando Baycott Jesse Edwards battle? Was there anything that Jesse did well tonight?
4: Um, well, the short answer to that is is no. You know, as as a fan perspective, it wasn't really a close battle. Um. You know, you guys probably watch the game a lot a lot closer, like talking about the leaky black post-up and everything. But, you know, the, the question that's that's circling my head right now is, you know, Jesse's been here a while, right? What exactly has he gotten better at? Because he's a better player than when he got to Syracuse years ago. But what has he gotten better at? Is it, is it the shot blocking, Is it maybe getting in less foul trouble, which sometimes isn't even very true? Um, there was a game towards the beginning of the season where, Jesse shot like, an but him in the post game press conference said that's not something we've taught him. That's not a shot that he's supposed to be taking. So, if you're a big man, right? Like he's he's tall, but it's no secret that he's a lanky. He can't go up against, you know, God forbid Syracuse made the tournament somehow, right? And they go up against Kentucky of all people. Oscar Sheba is grabbing 25 rebounds on him. You know, he he hasn't really built muscle. He hasn't developed any sort of mid range jumper or really game at all. So. You know, in terms of what happened tonight, Baycott won the battle, which isn't isn't saying much. Baycott's won a lot of battles, but it it's kind of a, a horrendous and, I think, Ian, you said the word embarrassing performance uh, from Jesse. It, it just wasn't – there wasn't a whole lot to be positive about.
0: Spencer, in terms of improvements, I guess if I had to pick out some things, definitely the shot blocking. You hit that. He's definitely gained more weight. So, he's not – like, he's not as much of a stick as he was when he was a freshman, but – I mean, other than those two things, like, the baby hooks aren't aren't going in. I'm sorry, but they're not. Like, what – other than catch a pick and roll and like and dunk it, there's really not a whole lot to say for Jesse's offensive game. And last year, the baby hooks were going in. Last year, some of the – like, the pick and roll stuff was easier because you had Buddy and Cole and Jimmy on the weak side. You had shooters to open it up. This year, you don't necessarily have that. So when teams sink down low or when teams double Gerard, send one over, it's it's just – it's pretty much like if Jesse isn't catching the ball with his face next to the rim, he's not doing it. So all that being said, it didn't seem to be a problem until Joe Gerrard went cold in the second half, Cam. Um, what did you think about JG3's performance? I think his first half was great. He hit that big shot at the end, but there were key points in the second half where Syracuse got down seven, and JG3 had, at one point, five field goals and five turnovers. So, I I don't know. I had some eyebrow raisers there from from Joe, like some really good and some really bad.
3: I 100% agree with you.
0: I mean, there was a lot of good in
3: that first half because the notion coming into the game – you're going to put Leakey Black, who was third in ACC Defensive Player of the Year voting last year. He was an all-ACC defensive team member, first Carolina player to sport that since 2016. Like The headlines were there for Leakey Black to shut down Joe Girard, who has 20 points in five of his last seven games. It was right there, right in front of you. And then Joe Girard came out in the first half and did something I think a lot of us didn't expect against really good defenders. He created his own shot even without a screen at times, that's shocking. I mean, JG3, he's created all of his opportunities off the of screens. Now, the issue is, once the blueprint was out on Joe, that he was willing to create his own shot, now you start to implement screens. And there were too many times where RJ Davis would fight over a screen and would draw a foul on a Jesse Edwards or whoever was setting the screen that it drew Joe cold, and he thought, okay, Now, every opportunity I can get that won't amount to a ref's whistle, I'm going to create my own shot. One-on-one with Baycott, what are you going to do? A sidestep three from 35? It was boneheaded plays in the second half. None more than you cannot at all leave a free ball in the opposing team's offensive zone. You cannot. You can't do that. Um, He just got cold down the stretch. I think a lot of of whistles led to that. But stop trying to create – Your own shot, let your teammates do it for you. Unfortunately, he
0: got a bit too greedy in that first half, and that's what led to the demise. So Joe makes that three with 50 seconds to go. Uh I kind of touched on this earlier, but Joe makes that three, right? Could that what that save underneath the basket? I barely saw it myself based on my position at the game. I was at the media tables, like in the corner. So I, the free throw was on my side. I could barely see it when all the fans stood up. But, you, 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 like, Cam, as you, hit, you hit on it. It's basic basketball principle. Just let it go out. right? They have to inbound from pretty much underneath the backboard, and, and you live to fight another day. But is it partially Joe wanting to have that hero moment? He's never really had one. And I tweeted out with 50 seconds left. Oh, that's Joe. That three pointer to put Syracuse ahead. That's Joe's shot, right? That's how he'll be remembered. He hits that big three Syracuse beats UNC. And we go happily ever after onto the next game against BC. But is that is the save underneath the basket, right? The step back sidestep against Baycott. Where does that all come from? Because. It doesn't – like, those are just not basketball plays or smart basketball plays.
3: Joe has a lot of freedom. If it goes in – Too much. I 100% agree with you. That, that, that is the issue is he has so much freedom. But, unfortunately, if he didn't have freedom, he'd have five or six points a game. Or he wouldn't have the freedom to take the shots that he wanted. That first half was primetime Joe Girard. Now, you ask me – is that Joe wanting to be a hero? Yeah, Joe always wants to be a hero. He always wants to be a guy. I'll be honest with you. I think it's unfair that Judah is getting all these opportunities with the ball in his hands when Joe is the one that could sink that shot and is better offensively creating his own shot from the perimeter. And for Judah, you're, you're relying on a freshman who's just downhill driving and throwing up a prayer. I think Joe should have his moment. I think he, for that last possession, Houston down one, 15 seconds to go. The ball should be in Joe's hand and you set up a play. That's what I believe. I don't think that that backtrack was Joe wanting to be a hero. I think he does want to be a hero. And that was his moment when he put Syracuse up. But that was just an instinct play. Yes, you don't want to tap it back in but you're thinking of all these different permutations in your head, right? We're up by one. If I save this ball to my teammate, they have to foul. We can make two free throws. Next thing you know, oh, wow, we're up by three on North Carolina. If I let it go out of bounds, it could be out on us, and then Carolina is a shot away from taking the lead. All those things are going through his head as the ball is going out of bounds, and it's just that snap judgment play of what should I do? I don't blame him. I think 90% of the players in college basketball would have dove and tapped that back in. I think it's just an unlucky bounce. Yes, Joe wants to be the hero, but that's not a play that I think should stain him. It was a bad play, but it's one of those plays where big-time moment, big-time game, you want to give your team a chance, and he just
0: wasn't thinking in the right headspace. Did Syracuse had one timeout remaining when Judah got that ball and drove the length of the court camp. Am I right on that?
3: I'll be honest with you. I was more focused on the bonus. I didn't That's fully fair. see. I, I didn't fully see, but if you say it, I believe you.
0: If my memory serves me correctly, Syracuse had one timeout after the whole in you know save underneath the basket, the Pete Nance put back, all, that whole thing. I believe Syracuse had one timeout. And instead of getting the ball to half court, letting you know, letting Co- like Coach Beheim could have called that timeout, drawn something up, like that—that that is a potential way to get the ball in Joe's hands. But as we've seen a bajillion times this year already, it feels like let's be honest, Beheim's inbounds plays just don't work, like. The this the, both of those Empire Classic games were prime examples of, I mean, those are teams that Syracuse barely ever plays. And they both shut down the Orange inbound on a little ATO side on a bounce play. So I, I, I'm in between on this thing. Do you bring the ball down the court, call timeout, and then try to draw something up knowing that It's probably not going to work, if we're being completely honest. The floor was wide open for Judah to go. I don't know where Joe was on the court in that moment. I think probably he was behind the play. But still, like, a lot of what-ifs in this game.
3: Yeah, Ian, Ian, I I just want to mention one thing. I don't think it was a bad play. They moved quickly so it would give them enough time if the play failed. It did. Unfortunately, the worst-case scenario happened where you give them two free throws in the ball and they can make it a two-possession game once you foul again because you have to. I don't think you call that timeout because Jim Boeheim was not playing that play, but he was playing almost a two-possession game where you get that bucket, you score, you lead, you play defense. You don't get that bucket, you foul. It's a one-possession game, and you can still tie it or take the lead. I don't, yeah, mind, the, I don't, I don't mind the play call. What I mind is you're going completely downhill without letting your team get back, which means the only opportunity you have is if Judah Mintz is GMAC in that situation. Like If he gets to the rim and he scores, if he misses that bucket, even if it wasn't the whole flagrant one, and you know, he shouldn't have ripped through, by the way. He should have just went up to the rim and allowed R.J. Davis to foul him and left it in the, the ref's hands. I think that's what he was telling him game. Don't try to rip through. You're being fancy, a little too fancy for anyone's liking. I don't mind the play call. What I do mind is you don't allow your team to get back. The only opportunity in that situation is, you know, what if Judah gets stopped and he has to jump stop? Well, you can't pass it because there's no one else waiting for you. So I just think it was, it was too much, too reliant on Judah, where there couldn't have been a rebound, back half, and now you have another play. It was Judah – Or miss. And unfortunately, very unlucky in the last 21 seconds. Right, right, right. But unfortunately, you didn't give anyone another opportunity. So I just think it was unlucky bounces all the way. But, yes, a lot of boneheaded plays that could have been avoided. These are young players. I know Joe's a senior, but you're right. He hasn't had his big moment. So I don't mind the play call. What I do mind is not letting your team get back for a potential putback or offensive rebound.
0: All right, that's good stuff, Cam. couple quick hitters before we wrap this thing up. Again, thank you all for sticking with us. I know this was a heck of a game, and it, it's past midnight, so happy Wednesday to everyone. Pump day almost to the weekend. Uh, I know this has been a crazy day of basketball. Cam just hopped out, so we're close to wrapping things up. A couple more things I want to bring up. Uh, Chris Bell had a great game, for those who didn't hear it already. He was fantastic. Uh, Beheim didn't really mention it in the, in the pressure, but he had four rebounds before I closed my computer. So maybe, yeah, probably finished with either four or five, who knows, but it's probably a season high, right? Big game and big moments. Good stuff from Chris Bell. How about Malik Brown? Only had two points, but 20 minutes, big rebounds down the stretch on both ends and I mean, good good heady plays on the defensive end from a team that would rotate its bigs a lot and try to get the ball down low. Um, Justin Taylor, non-factor. Right, Samir Torrance, as he's really been this whole season, non-factor. And I don't know how much you can expect from either of those guys at this point going down the stretch. Last thing I want to touch on. A lot, a lot, a lot of comments about the referees tonight. A lot. And it's all pretty much one-sided. At a certain point, the referees did not decide this game. Because the 23-3 to free throw differential, whether you like it or not, that's predicated on Syracuse's play style. UNC plays big, right? They crash the glass. They throw it down low to their big guy. They have aggressive drivers. Those dudes are going to draw fouls, especially 6'11", 250. That's going to draw fouls. Syracuse is big, played scared. Judah Mitch drove, but half the time he was out of control. Joe doesn't drive. Bell doesn't drive. Benny doesn't really drive. He actually drew Syracuse's first free throw attempt, and he missed it. So before we go hammering on the refs and i said this right as i got out of the dome the first charge terrible call that was a that was a block davis was late arriving mint stepped around him jim Beheim said the same thing i think everybody watching the game said the same thing you got to make up call the other end right away right edwards goes down baycott bumps into him maybe a little bit soft but hey don't like those refs knew they messed up they fixed it on the other end and the game kept moving I thought, they did, I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought they did a pretty good job. And at the end of the day, you still have the ball in your hands, down one, with 10 seconds to go. You're up with 50 seconds to go. And you drive down the floor. You run into R.J. Davis. Especially you don't. Run, if you ran into a big, maybe it's a different call. You run into a small almost a guarantee, like guaranteed charge, the way Judah was moving. And as Cam mentioned, you bring, those, you bring those arms up, you bring those elbows near Davis's face, especially if he's already taken one hit to the head, it's going to get cold. And it's really a bummer. It stinks that that's the taste that this game leaves in your mouth. But that's just how the cookie crumbles, and we'll just keep on waiting for Syracuse to win a close one. Thank you guys for sticking with me tonight. I know this was a, a long one. Right, a big game, a game that really brought out the best the fans in Central New York, and uh, you know everyone who engaged on Twitter. I thank you, everyone who joined this space, listen to Bayheim's presser. Also, if you didn't catch it, the question that made him walk out uh, was actually from one of our Fizz staffers, John Eads. He said, "This team has lost two games by four in the span of a week, I believe, or ten days. You know why can't you guys close it out?" Bayheim said, "I'm done with this," uh, and he he waved his hand, and walked away. So that's, that's what caused the, uh, the end of the press conference. I know it was a little abrupt, but thank you for sticking with me. Um, Ian Unsworth signing off. Remember, you can check out all of our content at theorangefizz.com. Hopefully we'll have recaps of Elijah Moore's visit to the Dome and Boogie Flan. I know you probably saw Fabulous and A Boogie with a hoodie in the Dome tonight on Twitter, all Adam Weitzman and his, his recycling money. But we'll have recaps of Elijah Moore's visit along with this, a post-game article, and all the other things you need to know about SU football and basketball. So signing off tonight, thank you guys so much for sticking with me. Have a great night. Hope you get to bed soon. Go Orange.